All right, good morning, Creekside Church. Morning. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Creekside. It's a blessing to be with you all this morning and to continue in our sermon series as our head pastor, Mark, is still on his sabbatical, enjoying his time with his family. And yeah, we can clap for that 100%. Come on now. Yes. If you're new, as you can see, we are a family here. We like to clap. We love to say hello to one another. And one of the things that Pastor Mark wanted to do for this sermon series is not just have it be me up here. He didn't want just me being up here teaching the entire time. So instead, he wanted our elders to come up, each one of them, and give a message. And so today, we have the joy of having our first elder come up and preach. The very first message that the elders have done in this sermon series is happening today. So I want you to be a little bit louder as Mark Gowdy comes on up. Can you guys give him a round of applause? Good morning, Creekside. I'm Mark. I'm one of the... Oh, that's the other. Ah, somebody's listening. Good job. <clears throat> so this is round two. Funny thing was, uh, we get... I didn't even know this about this church, but the, the worship team and pastors and the team in the back all get together 30 minutes before. And so I got here 30 minutes before. And you know what happens is the only people that show up early here are visitors. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, right over there were six of them. I go, oh, great. So if you're visiting, you have picked a very unusual Sunday because our lead pastor is not here. He's already been to Greece, had a great time. He and his family are planning to go to uh, Washington, D.C. and New York in June, and he'll be back in August. So you get the rookies on and off. Next week, we get a professional. Our six visitors, I made sure they new to come back next week to hear the real deal. So in the meantime, today's my day. I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse to go first. Uh, I know that when I'm done, I'll be praying for you guys that are yet <laughs> to do this. So just about a month ago, uh, Pastor Mark, Pastor Nathan, and the five elders all got together and we talked about this series and what we would be doing. And I got to tell you, there was a uh, fair amount of fear and trepidation in the room. Uh, none of us are particularly comfortable about doing this. The one thing I have learned as I prepared this message is how much I appreciate Pastor Mark and Pastor Nathan and what they do. Yeah, give it up. To do the, it's one thing to have five or six months to think about what you're going to say, but to me, the thought of doing this week in and week out is really daunting. To be inspired, to challenge us every week, that's a, that's a big task. If you've been at Creekside a while, you know that one of Pastor Mark's favorite characters is Mr. Rogers. 
In fact, if you go to his office, there's a little uh, window inset in the door, and there's a little sticker. And it was to, to those of you who have heard this uh, story that Mark told a, a while back, I apologize. To those of you who are visitors or haven't heard it, you'll understand how uh, applicable it is to today. So uh, it was a while back, Mark shared the story, and it was about uh, Mr. Rogers, who was a seminary student. And he decided that um, he writes this in his autobiography of what happened to himself. So he says, one summer, midway through seminary, I was on a weekend vacation in New England. I decided to go to hear a, a preacher in this little town chapel. I heard the worst sermon I could have ever heard. I sat in the pew thinking, he's doing everything they told us not to do in seminary. I thought, what a waste of time. That's what I thought until the very end of the sermon, when I happened to see the person beside me with tears in her eyes, whispering, he said exactly what I needed to hear. It was then that I knew something very important had happened in that service. The woman had come in need. Somehow the words of that poorly crafted sermon had been translated into a message that spoke to her heart. On the other hand, I had come in judgment and heard nothing but the faults. It was a long time before I realized it, but that sermon's effect on the person beside me turned out to be one of the greatest lessons of my life. Thanks to that preacher and to that listener in need, I now know that the space between a person doing his or her very best to deliver a message of good news and the needy listener is holy ground. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, I commit this time to you. I pray that it would not be my words. I pray it would be your words that would speak to the congregation. I do pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would move in the hearts of people, that you would draw us into a closer relationship with you, that our commitment to you would draw deeper, that our love for you would grow stronger. I pray, God, that uh, you would inspire us all to be people of prayer, devoted to prayer, and devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> Pastor Nathan was the uh, inspiration for this ser sermon series, and he had a general framework which he gave to us nine months ago. He picked the topic, the art of being. It was a, a very nice way of saying the disciplines of faith, but art is a work in progress, and we are all a work in progress. Not only did he pick, well, he picked the topics, but he gave us the passages that he wanted us to use. He told us um, we were free to change the passage, but if we were going to do that, 
to just talk to him and let him know. So that was on a Tuesday night meeting, and I get home, and the first thing I do is I pull out my Bible and read, what does he have me preaching on? And I open my Bible, and I go, oh, no, not that. (laughs) But I've had uh, six months to think about it, and over time, I decided this was on Nathan's heart. Nathan felt this is what we all needed to hear, so I've decided to run with it. Now, Nathan chose the topic, okay? (laughs) Nathan... Well, well, and that's good. That's good. No, don't. You stay put. Nathan chose the topic. He chose the scripture. But Nathan didn't come up with what I'm about to say. That's for me. So if, so if it's the worst message you ever heard, don't blame him. Okay? Our message is going to come from uh, Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. If you have your Bibles, turn to it. But before we actually read that section of Scripture, what I'd like you to do is I'd like to put you in some context, in the place of what was happening. According to Luke's Gospel, it wasn't long before this, maybe months, that Jesus had sent the disciples out in twos. He sent them out to anoint people with oil and heal them and to cast out demons. And I bet when they first did that, they were extremely nervous. I would be. I'm sure you would be too. But after a while, they were successful and came back. So there's that context. Now, right before what we're going to read today, Jesus, James, John, and Peter had gone up on the mountain and what we call the transfiguration happened. They're coming down the mountain. They get down the mountain and into the town. And that's where we pick up with the text. So, Mike, if you'd give me the next the slide. It reads, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. So that's James, John, Peter, and Jesus. Saw a large crowd around the other nine disciples. And some scribes were arguing with the nine disciples. Immediately... When the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to him. And he asked them, meaning his disciples, what are you discussing with the scribes? Before they could even answer, one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they couldn't do it. We'll stop there for a second. So imagine yourself being this father. Your son is tormented by this spirit. He's doing all kinds of things totally out of his control. And the father, I'm sure, has tried everything he possibly could to get this son healed. And the disciples couldn't do it. Now, the disciples had just been out casting out demons. For some reason, they couldn't do it this time. 
Jesus, I, you know, he's fully God, but he's fully human. He comes down from the transfiguration. I think that, you know, we talk about going to a mountaintop, having a spiritual high. I think he had a spiritual high and he came down and he finds this bickering going on. And he answered them and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him, the child, to me. Now, I don't know whether Jesus was upset with the disciples, he's upset with the scribes who don't believe, or he's upset with the father. Whatever it is, he says, bring the child to him. Okay, Mike, let's have the next uh, slide. They brought the boy to Jesus, and when Jesus saw him, immediately the spirit threw the boy into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, the boy began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But if you can do anything. I suspect that that question comes from if you were the father, you would have tried everything you can and nothing has worked. You've tried this, you've tried that, you've tried whatever the case may be. And it's often what we do. We try everything and we say, if you can. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do, do believe. Help my unbelief. I think that's one of the truest statements we find in the Bible. I mean, the Bible is truth. But from the heart, this father is speaking. And I think all of us have doubts at different times. We wonder, God, can you? Will you do this? We pray for a loved one who's sick. We pray for a loved one who doesn't know you. We pray and we pray. And sometimes we give up. So, after that, Jesus says, when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out and do not enter him again. And crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up. Now you kind of know why I said, I don't know about this scripture. I mean, I've never seen such a thing, but that isn't the point. That isn't the point at all. Here it is. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up and he got up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. This message is the second in our series 
about prayer. Which led me to do a lot of searching about what really is prayer. And I learned a couple of things. One is that even though this event wasn't until the third year of Jesus' ministry, the disciples had not yet asked him, according to Luke's chronology, how to pray. The Lord's Prayer doesn't come till after this. I'm sure they saw Jesus to pray, pray, but when he sent them out before, there's no mention that they were told to pray. They were told to go cast out demons and go uh, anoint people with oil. So I did some looking, and uh, I came up with some quotes from various people about what prayer really is. Now, if you were here about three years ago, we did a sermon series on what is the church. And if you remember back then, Mark told us how much he likes Taco Bell. And he told us that Taco Bell, you know, really isn't real Mexican food. And he said, just as Taco Bell isn't real Mexican food, in the same way, our perception of what the church is like Taco Bell compared to what Jesus' perception of what the church would be. Well, I think our perception of what prayer is is like Taco Bell compared to what Jesus meant when he said, nothing can happen but by prayer. Give me the next slide, Mike, thanks. This is what our prayer life looks like. We run into a crisis. We run into a problem. Someone's sick, someone's gone to the hospital, someone's broken a bone, someone's have a, a relationship problem. We need immediate help. And so what we do is plow right in. Now, all, God hears all our prayers. I'm not putting that down. What I am saying is that isn't real prayer. I don't think. I don't think that's the prayer Jesus was talking about. How about the next slide, Mike? Sometimes our prayers are more like this. We get in the drive through line and we want to place our order. We want to tell God what we need. We give our order. We drive around. Sometimes we have to wait a while because it's a long line. None of us like waiting for God to answer our prayers. Sometimes they get the order right and we're happy. Sometimes they get the order wrong and we're upset. But I don't even think that is what real prayer is. That's just throwing up petitions to God. How about the next slide, Mike? Billy Graham says, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. It isn't just one way with me throwing up my request. I have to allow God in. I have to allow God to speak to me. How about the next one? John Piper says, prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. And prayer is turning away from ourselves to God in the confidence that he will provide the help we need. Prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. 
I got to tell you, I prayed a lot over this message. Part of it is my incompetence, okay? And when we are incompetent, we have to rely on God. But it's an open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. Next one, Francis Chan. We often think of prayer as a means to an end. We make our prayers, we tell God what we need. That's our objective. Francis Chan says prayer is the goal. The goal of our prayer should be change our heart, to conform us to his image, to make us who he wants us to be. Pastor Mark, um, before he left at Vision Sunday, said he was going to wait until he returned to, from his sabbatical to watch these messages. Now, I suspect the reason he's waiting is he doesn't want to know what kind of mess he's going to come back to. Uh, nonetheless, he said he's going to watch them. So, if you know Mark, if you've been around long, he likes Soren Kierkegaard. So, Mark, when you watch this, this one's for you. Soren Kierkegaard. To pray does not mean to listen to oneself speaking. Prayer involves becoming silent and being silent and waiting until God is heard. Now that's a two-way conversation. Pastor Mark also talked about how he would like us at Vision Sunday, he talked about his, his first thing that he said his vision for the next year would be that we become a praying church. And so I've done some looking and I found some verses that I think help point us to that. Next slide, Mike. Acts 1, 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You see, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And then the next slide. Once again, Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Continually devoting themselves to prayer. Next slide. Acts 6.4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Three times in the, in the book of Acts, where amazing things were happening as the church was growing, we see that they devoted themselves to prayer. Next slide is from Romans. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving, persevering in tribulation. And here we are again, devoted to prayer. And finally, is the verse that Nathan used last week. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So, it's one thing when someone tells me something once. It's another thing when I get told it a second time or a third time, five times, five times in the New Testament, we're to told to be devoted 
to prayer. We love to devote ourselves to all kinds of different things. Some of us have our favorite hobby we're devoted to. Some of us are devoted to our family. Good thing. Some of our, us are devoted to a sports team. Some of us are, the list goes on and on and on. But as followers of Jesus, what should we be devoted to? Devoted to prayer. About a month ago, Chelsea brought a webinar to our attention, the staff and the elders. It was put on by a, a, a church in New York City, a church that is known for its prayer. They have prayer throughout the week, almost 24-7. The moderator was the senior pastor, and he said that we should have a burning biblical conviction that prayer is the most important thing we do. Not our preaching, not our worship, not our missions, prayer. Everything starts there. Years ago, I saw a clip from 60 Minutes. It was of Mike Wallace interviewing Mother Teresa. And he asked her, what do you do when you pray? Her response was real simple. In fact, it was one word. You know what that word was? Listen. She listens. But our prayer life, my prayer life often is just throwing up my petitions to God. And I don't wait and listen for him. Over the past few months, as I've been preparing this message, I didn't want to call you to do something I wasn't willing to do myself and haven't done. And what I've been practicing as an art is before I pray, just simply sitting in silence and trying to clear my mind of everything, where I need to go, who I need to call, what project I need to work on, what's for dinner, you name it. Put them out of my mind. The Lord's Prayer starts with our Father who art in heaven. Just sit in silence and worship him and adore him and say, I am at your disposition, Lord. It's a battle sometimes to clear my mind and hear from God. There is an art to it. It is something we need to practice. Some days in my life aren't so pretty, but some days it's refreshing, it's rejuvenating. It refocuses me on what is really important in my life. Two weeks ago, Nathan challenged us all to spend 10 minutes with God on Wednesday. That Wednesday night at my gospel community, one of the ladies, she didn't want to complain, but she said, come on, guys, we can do more than 10 minutes a week with God. It's a God of the whole universe. We can do better than that. Paul Rexroth went up to Nathan that Sunday and said, hey, what if I want to do more than one day a week? <laughs> Great. I love how Nathan has called this the art of being. The idea is that we are all a work in progress. 
we can refine, improve, and grow to become a better reflection of Jesus. So here's my challenge for you this coming week. I'm asking you to spend at least five minutes alone with God where you do nothing but sit still, know that he is God, and let him speak to you. Listen. As Kierkegaard said, listen. Listen to God speak to you. And sometimes it's hard, but sometimes you will clearly hear his voice. As a family, we should be willing to pray for one another just like the church in Acts did. We should be devoted to prayer. I'm not trying to shame anyone in saying this, but we've placed cards on your chairs for you to fill out and leave prayer request. We did this back in November. We're doing it today. We want to make this a regular rhythm within our church. We're asking you to fill it out. You can put it as anonymous. You can put your name. The staff and the elders will pray over these. When we're done at the end of the service and the service is over, there are two baskets there on that table. Leave your prayer request. Who are you praying for? Who are the others, the people in your life that you're trying to reach? What are your requests? What are you struggling with? What would you, what are you praying to God for? We did this um, back in November and uh, actually got goosebumps over your response for a couple of reasons. One, there were 14 pages of responses. Chelsea typed them all up for us. That was amazing. And some of you shared deeply from your heart and we were just honored that you would trust us enough to share that with you. So thank you. And, you know, I hope this time we get 28 pages of requests. I'm sure Chelsea doesn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> My mother-in-law used to say, as long as there is breath, there is hope. Don't give up. Persevere. Be devoted to pray. Don't quit. Persevere. So, finally, being silent and listening to the Holy Spirit is an art. It takes practice. I think it would be a mistake on my part to send you out with this challenge without us as a body doing exactly that. Just sitting for a few moments. We're going to sit quietly, silently, no band, nothing, and we're just going to listen to God's voice. And at the end, I'm going to pray. When I pray, the band's going to come up and we'll finish. But let's work on being devoted to prayer.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you want to hear from us. Thank you that you want a relationship with us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you speak to us when we are silent. Thank you that you guide us and direct us. Lord, we get busy and we neglect you. Sometimes we feel competent and we neglect you. Sometimes, Lord, we forget that who we are struggling against and that there is spiritual warfare going on. Lord, I pray, God, for this church. I pray for these people. I pray, God, that you would cause us to become devoted to prayer. I pray that we would be known as a church that prays to you, a church that listens to you, I thank you that you are always with us. I thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us and speaks to us. Oh Lord, empower us this week to just listen to you, to listen to your voice, to be the people that you've called us to be, that you want us to be, Thank you that there is not a one of us that you are finished with yet. Thank you that we can become more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.